0: Jesus exalting, Jesus abiding, Jesus obeying, Jesus proclaiming people. Amen. Well, We are in the middle of 40 days of prayer uh, together with Alliance Churches across the country. And today we are putting our focus for the next week on reawakening to the Spirit of Christ. In reawakening to the reality of the Holy Spirit among us. And it's very significant because as we talk about reawakening and awakening, as you look at the great awakenings throughout church history and even American history, we see that these are awakenings or revivals or whatever expression you want to use for them. They all have at least one thing in common, and that is they were works of the Holy Spirit among a people. And so we want to look at the Holy Spirit, and what is it that the Holy Spirit does, and how does that impact how we pray? Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 through 17, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory." For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. The first thing we want to focus on here in this passage is that the Holy Spirit is God's identifying mark on the believer that God's Holy Spirit is God's identifying mark on the believer. Uh, Back in verse 13, where it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so Christ's followers, you and I, we bear the mark of the Holy Spirit. Now, it's not a mark that we can see. Uh, It's not like we're going to see an HS on our foreheads to say that, yes, we have the Holy Spirit. But there is a spiritual mark upon our souls, upon our hearts, as followers of Jesus, that we have the Holy Spirit. Because the second sub-point is that the Holy Spirit is given to all those that believe in Christ. So when we put our faith and trust in Christ as our Savior, that the Holy Spirit is sent to indwell us in that moment. We don't always feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. We don't always recognize that the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us, but that is the promised reality of Scripture. And the other sub point is that the Holy Spirit is given to fulfill a promise, a promise of God. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verses 15 through 17, and then verse 26, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Helper to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. But the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. So Jesus promises... Before he ascends to heaven, before he leaves his disciples, he says, I'm going to give you another helper. And we've talked about this before, but it's so worth repeating that Jesus is very specific, or at least as John recounts this conversation, in the word that he uses for another helper. That it's literally another of the same kind. So it's not Jesus saying, I'm going to send you somebody completely different than me, and he's going to come and dwell in you. He says, I'm going to send someone who's exactly like me, the Holy Spirit, and he is the one that's going to dwell in you forever. And Jesus says this in the context of saying, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. Because you can imagine, if we're there with the disciples, and Jesus says, I'm about to leave and go back to my Father in heaven, and I think all of us would say, can't you stay? Why leave us? I mean, we can't do this without you here with us. But Jesus tells them, it's better for you that I go away. Because I can't be in you. Physically, I can only be next to you, but when I go and the Spirit comes... The Spirit can dwell within you, and not just you, but everyone who follows after me. All of us can bear the Holy Spirit within us as we go about our lives in the world. So the Holy Spirit is God's identifying mark on the believer. The second thing we want to see is that the Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the believer's inheritance. The Holy Spirit is the guarantee of the believer's inheritance. Verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. So literally, the Holy Spirit is the down payment paid by God himself. When you buy a house, you put a down payment. It's... it's, Meaning that, yes, I'm going to buy this house. I'm not going to back out on the deal. Here's a chunk of money to secure that this is actually going to happen. And so that same idea is translated to the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit in us is God's down payment. Saying, I'm putting my spirit within you as a mark, as a guarantee, as a reminder that you are mine, and one day I'm going to take you to be with me in my kingdom. It's that down payment. It's the assurance. It's the guarantee of our inheritance in Christ. But also, the Spirit guarantees our salvation and access to all of God's richest blessings. All of God's richest blessings. To think about the, the mind-blowing reality that not only does God love us, not only does God forgive us, not only does God put His spirit within us, but on top of that, it's God's way of saying, "You now have access through Christ by the Holy Spirit to every spiritual blessing. And Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13 tells us, uh, 1:3 tells us that that He has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. That he's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Think about that reality. How often do we pray and say, God help me with this or help me with that or help me to overcome this or help me to overcome that. As if somehow God has failed to supply us with what we need. He's given us every spiritual blessing. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. So it's not a matter of, God, you've yet to give me what I need to overcome this sin. It's, God, you've given me everything I need to overcome the sin. I'm just choosing not to. He's given us everything we need for life and godliness. Access to every spiritual blessing. His richest blessings in Christ. That's a huge invitation of God saying, here's the storehouse of heaven. I've opened up the doors. You have free access to it. All the riches riches and treasures of heaven are available to you. Are we putting them to use? Are we utilizing them? The third point, that the Holy Spirit is the conduit to God's truth. The Holy Spirit is the conduit to God's truth verse 17 that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ the father of glory may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him and and Jesus follows he follows the same teaching and and he builds that foundation in John 14 17 he says even the spirit of truth who the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. That everything we need to know and understand God and have a relationship with God is made available to us through the Holy Spirit. He is the one who reveals God's truth, who makes known God's truth. He is the one that helps us make sense of this. If it wasn't for the Holy Spirit, we would read this and be like, it doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. But the Holy Spirit enables us to understand his word and to apply that word to our lives. In John 14, verse 26, it says, But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you what? All things. And bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Now, mentioned god saying i have opened up the storehouse of the treasures of heaven they're available to you now it would be wonderful if we could just step in like a big vacuum and just inhale all of that at once but it's a journey it's a process of growing in our knowledge growing in our understanding and the holy spirit walks with us on that journey so often we can we can treat this like a novel Okay, I've read it. I get the plot. I know the characters. It was a good story and set it back on the shelf. But the Bible says of itself that this is living and active. It's living and active. I love the Lord of the Rings books and the, the Hobbit. Those are not living and active. What's on the page is what's on the page. It's always going to be what's on the page. And yes, It's true of the scriptures that everything that's on the page is on the page. It's always going to be on the page. But you can never explore the depths of what the scriptures are saying. That even after 30 years, you can open up the scriptures and be like, how did I never see that before? Have you ever had that moment of you're reading scripture and suddenly it's like, okay, somebody snuck into my house, got my Bible and added this verse because I've never seen that verse before. It's not because the verse wasn't there before. It's that never caught your attention. The Holy Spirit hasn't revealed that truth to you yet. And all of a sudden, you're reading it like it's the first time. That's how it's living and active. Because the Holy Spirit uses this book, and no matter what day you open it, no matter what you're going through, you can open this up, and the Holy Spirit says, okay, here's what you need today. This is what you need to hear. Do we take the time to allow the Spirit to speak to us. Because a lot of times we get very passionate and and we can go through different programs of trying to read through the Bible in a year and those are wonderful programs. But the problem is we fall into this mentality of if you read through the Bible in a year, it's typically like three chapters a day will get you through the whole Bible in a year. And so we sit down and we plow through those three chapters, check, I did it, and we go about our day. But what if, instead of plowing through three chapters to check off that we did it, we took three words and said, Lord, what are you trying to say to me in those three words? What are you trying to say to me in these three verses? Yesterday, during the Come to the Quiet mini-retreat, we Just in these few verses of scripture, we have this wonderful conversation of all of these observations we had about what's happening in the passage. And if you just pause for a moment to say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What has God said to you this week? I would encourage you at some point today, maybe even while you're out shoveling or plowing snow later tonight, to to just think about what has God shown you this week? What has God taught you this week? I believe that probably every week we should be able to give an answer to that question. What's God teaching you? What's he showing you in his word? Because if the answer is I don't know or nothing, it may not be that you're not reading the scriptures. It may be that you're reading just to read. And you're not reading to be transformed. His word wasn't given to us just to read. And set on a shelf. It was meant to transform us. And if you're reading, trying to read so much of it in the day that you're not allowing it to transform you, I want to challenge you to slow down your reading. Set aside that Bible reading plan that's got you plowing through. Set it aside for another time. And just say, okay, I'm going to open up to this book, chapter 1, verse 1. And if it takes me all week to get through verse 1, then so be it. Because if verse 1 has that much to say to me, then it deserves a whole week to speak to me. And if I spend all of next week on verse 1, then so be it. If I spend this entire month in verse 1, so be it. I want that word to saturate my heart. That's what the Holy Spirit is designed to do in your life. To take these scriptures... And drive them deeper and deeper into your heart. Uh, Mine happens to be open to Ephesians chapter 1 right now. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. We could take that verse and be like, okay, that's one of those boring verses. That's just his introductory verse. Let's move on to the good stuff. There's a lot in verse 1. If you just soak in verse 1 for a while there's more there than you realize but if we never give the Holy Spirit time to show us we'll never see it and we'll be worse off for it so as followers of Christ are we willing to ask the Holy Spirit to guide us in our daily lives to empower us to boldly bear His mark before our family and friends and co-workers. Are we willing to say, Holy Spirit, I want you to have full reign every day? You know, it's wonderful to talk about the glory days of you know, maybe 20 years ago when you were, you, know, you were full of the Spirit and things were exciting in your spiritual life. And sometimes we have those seasons in life and it's we, we put a stamp on our passport and say, Well, I've experienced it, I'm good. If you've tasted what the Holy Spirit can do in your life, don't be satisfied to say, Well, it happened 20 years ago and it was so cool he's not done yet if the Holy Spirit was done with you you wouldn't be here right now you'd be in heaven the fact that we're here right now means the Holy Spirit still has something for you the Holy Spirit has something for you today what's it gonna be what does he want to say to you today what does he want to transform in you today does that fill you with any sense of excitement to think the Holy Spirit wants to say something to me today have you ever waited for a phone call or a letter or an email from somebody and and you were just constantly checking to see if it's arrived the Holy Spirit is sending you a message don't let it sit in the inbox find out what it is say Lord what are you trying to say to me I heard a preacher one time say if If you ever open the Bible to read without a pen and notebook next to you, it means you're not expecting to hear anything. And that's stuck with me for many years now. If I'm coming before the Word of God with an expectation that the Holy Spirit's going to say something to me, I need to be ready to receive that. And the older I get, I'm not just going to say, I'm going to remember that forever. Those silly times when you think you're going to remember everything forever. The kids were little and like, I'm never going to remember the day and the time that Aaron spoke his first words. or I'm never going to forget the day and time Kaylee took her first steps. Should have wrote them down. If God speaks to you, write that down somewhere so that you don't forget. And go back to it. Say, Lord... That thing that you showed me on Tuesday, I still need that. I still need you to work on that in me. Not only today, but this week, the Holy Spirit has this treasure of things he wants to build into your heart. Will you come ready to receive them? This week, the Holy Spirit has opportunities in front of you to be used by him to make a difference in this world for Jesus. That blows my mind. I still remember the the awkward stage of junior high when I was picked last for kickball and dodgeball and all of that. And to think that God actually says, I choose you. Not because you're the only option left, but I want to work through you to represent Jesus in the world around you. Are we ready and sensitive to those moments that he puts in front of us? So will we ask the Holy Spirit, what do you have to say to me today? What opportunity do you have in front of me today? And are we willing to ask God to use our church and Alliance churches around the world to be a spark of the transformational flame of revival in our communities and this nation? Are we willing to say, Holy Spirit, use me. Use my church. Use this church to be a spark of revival throughout this community. Because we can so often say, you know, who are we? We're not the ones who can do it. If you look back at some of the moves of God throughout just American history, it's amazing how they start. They seldom start with the big celebrity preacher. In some cases, it starts when a bunch of guys just happen to meet in a pile of hay at noon to pray for revival. And it sparks a massive movement of God's spirit. It's the ordinary, unknown people who have been the sparks of revival. People like Jonathan Edwards and D.L. Moody. Those are the guys that get the, the headlines. But the spark. People whose names we will probably never know in this life. If read the book of Acts, the spread of the gospel, we, we talk about the Apostle Paul and how he took the gospel everywhere, but it started when Saul was still persecuting Christians and all of these unnamed believers fled Jerusalem and took Jesus with them wherever they went. It's entirely possible that God says, I want to use you guys. I want to use Christ Alliance Church to be a spark of revival, if they're willing. It doesn't happen by default, it doesn't happen by accident. It happens because we're willing to say, Lord, here we are, use us. Holy Spirit, have your way among us. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit.